0: welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And uh, we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at at amazinglove at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to amazinglove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. I think This is what they felt like when it happened. And today, it's how we should feel, too. Because what it meant for them, it means for us. And so what if, my friends? What if our emotions could match the significance of that message? What if with fresh eyes we could see again what it means that the tomb is empty and that Jesus has risen? What if we could have the joy of the very first Easter? That's my prayer for you, whether you knew that today or not. And welcome once again on Easter to Amazing Love. And to get you involved a little bit, I had a question. Just a quick poll, a raise of hands. How many people are having ham today? How many people are having ham today? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's one of the good things about Holy Week, the Temple Curtain Tour, which means all who believe in God can eat pigs, which also means not only ham, but you know what that also means? It means bacon. Yeah, let's, come, let's, be, let's be honest, yeah. And uh, one of the things I love about Easter this year is that it uh, coincides with a little bit of March Madness. And uh, any March Madness people out there? Uh, yeah, I'm a dude, so I watch sports. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, and uh, one of the things that I notice in March Madness is uh, what it's like to lose. Let me tell you about my team. I'm a, I'm a Texas Longhorns fan. Hook them horns. And uh, they did not have a good first round. I'll, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, 2.7 seconds left. They tied it up. Northern Iowa inbounds. They have 2.7 seconds. What can they do? I'll tell you what they can do. They can give it to this guy who channels his inner Stephen Curry and makes a half court shot look like a form shot and sink it and win the game and yes he's got a little bit of swag after and you know what defeat looks like? like that <laughs> but you know what comes around goes around and what needs what you need to know about Northern Iowa man did they lose, holy cow they were up by 12 points with 35 seconds left imagine that 12 points 35 seconds The Texas A&M team comes back, ties it up, they lose in some overtimes. It's just incredible, so they know what defeat looks like, too. That's all right, makes me feel a little bit better. Uh, But nothing is maybe as bad as the bracket buster of Middle Tennessee doing what they did to this team, Michigan State, that's where all the brackets went wrong. Anyway, um, so we know what defeat looks like. And well, you don't need to play basketball to know what defeat looks like, do you? Let me tell you a story of defeat from my own life. Um, Went running the other day. Yeah, you know where this is going. Um, It's a spring day. It's nice. It's it's sunny out and I got a new app called Map My Run. It's really cool. I love technology. Map My Run tells me, you know, how far I went, how fast I went. And so I'm gonna plan a 5K in 21 minutes. That's my plan. 5K 21 minutes. That'd be pretty fast. 7 minute mile, okay? And so I'm, I'm running. I'm chugging along. Get to the first mile, map my run, says I got it in seven minutes, 52 seconds. All right, that's not so good. So I got some work to make up. Uh, Next mile, second mile, I get to, says eight minutes, 44 seconds. That is not the way I'm supposed to go. So anyway, I start pushing, I push, I push. You ever push yourself too much? Yeah, that's what I did. Anyway, and so uh, during that next mile, I just had to stop. And I never stopped. (laughs) But I stopped and I started walking. You know what defeat is? Defeat is coming to your third mile and hearing Matt Myron say 10 minutes and 5 seconds. Yes, defeat is wanting a 7-minute mile getting a 10-minute mile. It's wanting to run and yet you walk. You know what defeat is. And, and it, maybe you can relate to this. In fact, if you can relate to defeat, could you just say me too? Could you do that? You just, me too. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it feels better. It feels better. And I don't know what it is. Maybe for you, it's like, I want to do 10 push-ups, got one. Wanted to go on a diet of kale, and I ate the whole bag of Doritos. I don't know what it is. But, um, you know, sometimes we can even get uh, so defeated that we have this sensation where we say, you know, I just can't get anything right. Nothing is going right. I'm just worthless. Like, maybe it was at work. You wanted a perfect project. It was just shown back and shown all your imperfections. Maybe there's a parent out there who, who knows what it's wanted to be, a super parent, the super mom or the super dad. And all you were was a super failure <laughs> because your plans for the kids, it all just blew up in your face. They didn't like what you prepared. They didn't like what you did. Maybe you know what it is to try to love someone, uh, put your best foot forward with a spouse. It doesn't go so well. You know defeat. Well, we're going to turn our attention now to Mary. What we need to know about Mary is that Mary this Easter Sunday is saying, me too. Me too. I know what it is to be defeated. I know what it is to be sad, to be reeling, to be down. Let me tell you about her story. You see, three days later, she had just lost Jesus. She had just witnessed Jesus being handed over to the authorities, falsely accused, tortured, and crucified. And to Mary, Jesus' death signaled defeat. So she is down. She is reeling. She doesn't know what to do. But though Mary starts Easter that day, down. She doesn't end that day down. No, she hears about victory and that's what we get to discover. So let's turn to uh, the word of God before us. And we do believe this is, by the way, God's word to us. We think he's speaking to us through the words of the Bible, that in a miraculous way he's preserved his word. He he used eyewitnesses to do this. So John, who we we think of, he was an eyewitness who walked with Jesus to record all that was done. There were other eyewitness accounts, but finally we believe this is God speaking to us about the story he wants us to hear. I invite you to hear the story now from John 20. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been. One at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? Well, they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking she was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, just tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And at this she turned toward him, came to her senses, and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Don't hold on to me, for I have yet to ascend to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God, and now to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Can you imagine the flip for Mary? Mary who was down, Mary who was in a valley, ends up on the mountaintops and that is again what I am hoping would happen through this message, that we would leave this day on the mountaintops, claiming the victory that Mary knew about, claiming the victory of Jesus. I don't know if you ever lost anything and sometimes, depending on what you lost, you can get really emotional about it. Sometimes you're not so emotional. For example, we're doing some spring cleaning at the Bloomer household, and I love to see this. My, my girls have like two trash bags filled with plastic toys. And I love that because we don't need all those McDonald's Happy Meal toys. We don't need plastic stuff made in China that they never play with. And uh, sometimes, you know, we even try to get rid of those things for them. They ask where it is. We're like, I don't know. Goodwill. Anyway, um, and uh, you know what I'm talking about. It's those things we don't feel bad about losing, Right? Whereas there are other things you can lose. You're upset. You don't stop until you find it. And, and, and maybe you've ever lost this. You ever lose your cell phone? Like your whole world is gone. I don't know what your experience is, but you will, you will invite others to look for you. You will recruit the kids. Look under the bed. I'm too old. Can't do it. Look, look everyone. And You'll have the employees call your phone. You will not rest because this is your livelihood. Well, our emotions are tied to, again, the significance of the things that we lost, aren't they? Back to Mary on Easter Sunday. Mary thinks she has lost something that we can't even put into words how significant it is. Mary is thinking she has lost Jesus and let me tell you a little bit about their story. This is how we meet Mary in scripture. Um, I have to reference it now. (laughs) This is the feeling of defeat. Anyway. um, Back to Mary's story. <laughs> Mary is, has a, a great relationship with Jesus. For Look at how she uh, meets Jesus. It says, Mary called Magdalene, because she was from Magdala, the town, from whom seven demons had come out of. Now, to my knowledge, I have never been possessed by demons, but I would imagine that one is enough. I don't know what seven would do. In fact, some commentators think that because of seven demons, she was probably periodically insane. She probably at times could not control herself because the demons took hold of her. Imagine then what Jesus meant to her after Jesus healed her. Imagine if you had been healed from such uncontrollable disease and uncontrollable possession, how happy you would be. That was Mary and Jesus. And after this, Mary started following Jesus. Mary listened to his teachings. Mary believed that he was more than just a man, more than just a teacher. In fact, this is what I believe Mary thinks of Jesus. When it comes to Jesus, he is hope with a name. He is hope with a name. He's not just a teacher. He is not just a healer. He is hope with a name. Now, as we look at our stories, do you know they're not too different than Mary's? I want to tell you, you and I were possessed, not with demons, but with sin. And sin acts like a demon. Sin makes us sometimes uncontrollable. Sin is the lovelessness that we think and we say and we do. And sometimes it just takes over. Sometimes we're like, "I cannot believe I just said that. I cannot believe I just did that, because we have this sin possession. But what we need to know, though sin was in us. And though we were about to pay the punishment for sin, which would be separation from God and hell forever, though sin was in us, we have hope who has a name which is named Jesus. And Jesus dies on a cross to heal us, to drive out our possession. Sin's grip doesn't have a hold on us anymore. We are not possessed by sin, but rather can be possessed by peace. We are not possessed by sin, but can be possessed by joy. We are not possessed by sin, but can be possessed by the Spirit of God which enables us to do great things for us too. Hope has a name, it's Jesus. But Mary thinks the hope is lost. And so she's down. What she's about to hear is that hope is not lost. It is found. It is standing right in front of her. That's what we need to talk about next. Have you ever noticed not everyone notices what you might like them to notice? And uh, here I'll talk especially about haircuts. Uh, You can go to a beauty salon. You can go to a a parlor, a a barber shop. Uh, For us, it's called Great Clips. And you can get some dramatic transformations. Like you could have long flowing hair and get a bob. Yes, I know what a bob is. Anyway. Anyway. Um, You you can have uh, dreadlocks and then turn it into straight hair. You can go from blonde to pink, and sometimes people don't even notice. You sit at the dinner table, and the family members, and sometimes the husbands, you know, they don't always notice that something is different about you. You know what I'm talking about. Well, if you can relate to not noticing things, as we talk about Mary some more, she is overlooking. She is not noticing something hugely significant right before her. Look at verse 11. Let's just just follow it through what she's not noticing. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. Now right there, what should she have noticed? That there wasn't a body. (laughs) She came to see Jesus' body, and, and she should have already said, Wow, there's not a body there. Whoa! It goes on. Then she sees two angels in white. Seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. Have any of you seen angels? Anyone see angels? I haven't seen angels either, but this is what I know. I think if I would have seen an angel, I would have remembered it. (laughs) It says in the text that they were actually like glowing. So if you ever saw like a a person who was glowing who happened to be an angel, do you think you'd remember that? I think so, right? But but it's not done yet. Look at verse 14. At this, she turns around sees who? Sees Jesus... Right in front of her. Now, I'm not trying to get in trouble with Mary here. And I'm not trying to knock Mary. She has a greater honor than me seeing the risen Lord for the very first time. So it's it's nothing against her. But is it perhaps that she is not noticing what is right in front of her? I tried to think of an equivalent of this. It'd kind of be like, let's say you lose a child. That's kind of a big deal, right? Don't know where your child is. So you go to your child's room. Maybe it's a daughter. I got a daughter. Go to my daughter's room and I see two men who happen to be glowing. Glowing. And I nonchalantly ask them, not who they are or how they got there, but have you seen my daughter?" That's nuts. It's like going to the lakefront, seeing a mermaid, and having a conversation with the mermaid as if that was normal. It's like going and and having a conversation with a leprechaun, nonchalantly talking about rainbows and pots of gold. It is like seeing a puppy monkey baby, giving him a pound as if that actually exists, my friends. What she is overlooking is quite a lot this Easter Sunday. And this is what strikes me about the message. A question that was asked two times. A question that the angels and also Jesus asked her. Look at verse 13. They ask her, woman, why are you crying? And this is how Pastor Bloomer translated it. Woman, if you would open your eyes to the fact that we are angels and glowing, then maybe you wouldn't be crying. Just Maybe. Maybe if you'd open your eyes to the significance of what has just happened, you would have no reason to be crying because your hope is here. Because it's not a day of defeat, but a day of victory. And this is the major point, that if you're crying on Easter, there is something, I'm excited, there is something you're overlooking. So why are you crying? I know we live in a hard world. Tell me about it. I know there is trouble and I know there is suffering. And maybe, just maybe, there's a kid who had a mean kid be mean to him this week. And maybe, just maybe, relationships aren't so good. And maybe the job is tough. And maybe you feel guilty for something or shame for something. And maybe you miss someone today. Someone who maybe is in heaven or someone who we can't be with on Easter. And maybe, oh maybe, you're crying today, but this is what I believe. If you're crying on Easter or through the implications of Easter, maybe. Is it possible that there is something you are missing. Is it possible that you came to amazing love today and Jesus is standing right in front of you because he promised to be here, do you know that? And he's saying, you're looking for hope. Hope is here. It is here. Today is not a day of defeat. Today is a day of victory and we need to be real with the ramifications of the resurrection today. Let's try it on for size. The ramifications of the resurrection are this. If you're lonely on Easter, you don't have to be lonely. Mm -hmm. Because there is someone who said, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. If you're wrestling with death and you're missing someone, you need to hear again that death is defeated once and for all. If at all guilt has gotten you down, if at all guilt has plagued you, you need to know it no longer has power over you because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you wrestle with insecurity, you need to know that the grave that is empty says you are more loved and accepted than you can possibly imagine. This is the implications of Easter, not just for today, but every day of your life. You don't have to live in defeat one day, and I'm not trying to shame you if you ever get sad. I get sad too, but you can live in victory regardless every day of your life if you just look what's right in front of you. So it's good to be here. Thank you for celebrating. Mary's about to find this out. Let's look at verse 15 and 16. It says, he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. He is calling every one of you by name because he is here. And he loves every one of you individually. He knows everything about him. He can't hide. But he is calling you by name to receive a victory. And think of the emotions that must have flooded her as she realized it was Jesus. Think of the valley she was in and then the peaks that she ended up on. That is ours today. And you know what I love about God? What I love about God is that he is like donuts. Thank you for letting me be silly and talk about donuts. But anyway. Um, and this next point is especially true if you don't consider yourself a Christian. It's especially true if you're watching online wondering what the big deal of Easter is. This next point, it, it is so profound and good and, it, and it's like donuts. But anyway, um, let me tell you a story. Uh, my family and I went to Elk Grove Village. And I don't know if you know Elk Grove Village, but Elk Grove Village has a great honor in the Chicago area. because I don't know if you know this, it has the only Krispy Kreme in Chicago. Okay, so that's Elko Village, and uh, if you're from the south, you get Krispy Kreme. But anyway, um, and we go to Elko Village. We make a trip outside, and uh, and we see this sign. Now, seeing the sign is is a good thing. It means that hot and fresh donuts are coming off the line, freshly glazed, just for us. So we walk into Krispy Kreme. We don't even say words, but the lovely employees, the blessed employees, the beautiful employees. You know what they do? They go to the hot and fresh line. They take donuts that were just glazed, that were just fried, without any words, they hand them to us. They don't ask for money. They don't say words. They just let us soak in the delightfulness that is a freshly glazed Krispy Kreme donut. Now for me, this is like my birthday, this is like my anniversary, this is like Christmas all in one because I get to eat this savory goodness and it didn't even cost me anything and we enjoyed our time at Krispy Kreme in Elk Grove Village, blessed Elk Grove Village and what we learned again is this principle that maybe you've come upon, that the best things in life, they are free. Now that is true of Krispy Kreme donuts and it is true of God. Do you know why God comes to earth do you know why he lives for you and dies for you and rises again do you know why he wants to stand before you and tell you you are loved because he wants to give you the greatest gift you've ever received if you only have hands to hold and something that would blow up your theological mainframe if you believe it is that the gospel is what God wants for you it's not what he wants from you That the gospel we celebrate is about a God who hands out the best gift and says, I hope you can take it. He's not looking for what you might hold out to him. This is the good news about our Savior. There's no strings attached. Rather, he's just that good on Easter. But you know, we're not done yet. Because what Mary does is a natural reaction to what is good. If you find something that is good, what should you do with it? Well, if it's like Krispy Kreme donuts, maybe you can think of franchising. I've thought of that. Maybe I could franchise a Krispy Kreme. But anyway, um, if you find a man or a woman that is good, you should marry him. If you find a sale at Kohl's, it's all on sale. But anyway, you should buy it, right, Um, and, and go from there. So if you ever find something that is good, you know what you should do. And that's what Mary did when she found what was so good. Look at verse 17. Jesus said, do not hold on to me. Now, what is she doing then? She's holding, and I don't know what it was like, like maybe it was like this bear hug, you know, maybe she wasn't letting go and it was getting awkward. I don't even know the state of his body, but um, anyway, what Mary does is actually what we should do, that we should now hold on to Jesus. That is what I promote. If he's really that good, and I believe he is, you should hold on to Jesus. This is what I believe, That, that Easter shouldn't be the only time you're excited to come to church. Because I don't know what you know about church, but Jesus is here every Sunday. And it really isn't what he wants from you, but what he wants to give to you. Man, this is good. I wish families would go away and say, how are we going to put Jesus in the midst of our family? And even more, hold on to Jesus, my friends. Don't let a good thing go. Don't let it slip through your fingers. And when you do, I got an Easter promise for you. We're going to end on a high note, as if it wasn't high enough, right? We're going to end on a high note, I promise it. When you hold on to Jesus, you will find this principle. Easter ain't about one victory. It's about many. Let me flesh that out for you. We're going to talk about it. And uh, I'm going to end a little bit silly by talking about a show I wouldn't watch if, if I wasn't married, but my wife watches it, so I'm stuck. But uh, it's a show called Dancing with the Stars. Anyone? Can you console me again? Yeah. Just, feel sorry for me. Pray for me. You know, I got a, got a rough life. <clears throat> anyway, um, watching Dancing with the Stars and uh, there was a, a childhood guy that I really loved, uh Wania Morris from Boys to Men. Now, Boys to Men was significant to me because it was the first CD I ever purchased. Motown Philly was awesome. You know, oh, Boys to Men, ABC, BBD. I don't even know how that goes. But anyway, can't do it well. And Waddy Morris has one of the best voices. It's like Whitney Houston-esque, isn't it? Like he can do runs with the best of them. He is really, really good. And he reminded everyone, by the way, that they are the best-selling R&B group of all time. You know, very uh, humble, you know. But anyway, uh, he reminded everyone that he could sing, and we already knew that. But then I watched him dance. And you know what? Dude can dance. Dude can dance. Dude can break it down. He's got rhythm. In fact, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to his next dance. But anyway, and, and I consider that sometimes it ain't enough for God to give you one talent. You ever meet people who, like, they have a bunch of talents? Like, it ain't enough that Wannie Morris is good at singing. He's also good at dancing. You know, people who are very talented, Carolyn Wileski, anyway. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, sometimes people just got a lot of talents going on, and, and that's just what our God does. Like, he just doles out, you know, talent upon talent. I was thinking... Just what he does with talents, adding strength to strength, it's what he does with victories. See, one victory ain't enough for you. He adds victory to victory as if strength to strength. Let me tell you some stories. Not a Wania Morris, but a guy named Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. He was a tax collector. And this tax collector would have had victory enough to meet Jesus, have forgiveness and eternal life. That would have been enough. But victory on victory and strength to strength. Zacchaeus went from a greedy little man to a generous little man. Let me tell you about a guy named Saul. It would have been enough if Saul was forgiven of his sins and given eternal life. That would have been victory enough. But no, Jesus isn't done with Saul. He turns him to Paul. And he takes him from a life taker to a life saver as he shares the gospel. He takes him from a murderer to a missionary through the gospel. Let me tell you about Peter. Peter who denied Jesus three times even after he was warned. It would have been enough for his sins to be forgiven. But no, strength to strength and victory on victory. He takes Peter from a coward to make him courageous because this is what our God does. And it's not just about one victory. It's about many, my friends. Let me tell you about the Spirit of God, the Spirit that is now in your own life. Here's what Paul says about that Spirit. The Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, it's living in you. It's living in you. See, I've been a Christian for a while, and I know my own story. Let me tell you about the story of Dustin Bloomer. It would have been all right if he just called me to his side to know forgiveness and eternal life. Through my baptism, through my parents sharing Jesus. That would have been enough. But he took Dustin Bloomer, and I'm I'm happy to tell you, I'm not there yet, but I'm not who I was. I'm not who I was. Can he do that for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. He can add strength to strength and victory on top of victory. What you need to know about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it gives victory not over our eternity, it gives victory over our past, our present, and our future. It gives victory over all of our insecurities. It gives victory over all of our fears and doubts. It gives victory over depression. It gives victory over addiction. It gives victory over those who are in bondage to sin because sin is is not powerful as the God who lives inside of us. No, there is victory today. And if you believe in Jesus, you need to know you can have more than one victory, that he can continue to work inside of you. And this is the ramifications of the resurrection as you hold on to Jesus. Let me pray for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this Easter, let me feel the victory down to my bones. And let me understand that you have victories still in store for me. Though I will never be perfect, I don't have to be who I am today. You will continue to do good things in my life and let that happen. So that as you work in me, people can see you in me and rejoice like me in this victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.